Today's episode of The Rewatchables on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the 2018 presenting sponsor of the BS Podcast. If you have any kind of business, ZipRecruiter scouts talent for you. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code REWATCH, seven letters, REWATCH. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. If you missed the last couple episodes of the Rewatchables, Varsity Blues, that was last week. Goodwill Hunting, 103 minutes. Wow. We have some good popular movies coming up. This one is for me and Chris Ryan. We're going to hop on a boat. We're going to head to Cuba. We're doing Miami Vice, the movie. Here we go. I can feel it coming. From Michael Mann, the director of Collateral and Heat. Are you afraid of violence? We're here for business. Violence is real expensive. Miami Vice is the coolest movie of the summer. I die if anything happens to you. And one of the best of the year. Miami Vice, it at all. All right, Bill Simmons here, Chris Ryan here. We have joked about doing this movie ever since we launched the Rewatchable Speed. It started out as a joke, it turned into something else. And about two months ago, we looked at each other and we said, no, actually, we should do this as Rewatchables. It's that good. It's the lost great movie of the mid-2000s. Then I, I was researching it, and there seems to be some steam for this now, Chris Ryan. I would say that you you could look at this pod and you could say, like, these guys are going... A little off menu. They're here. getting too cute. Yeah. They're, it's like that now they're like pretending like they have to cook without any, you know, vegetable oil or something. But in some ways, Miami Vice is the most rewatchable movie that we have talked about. And there's a very specific reason why. It actually gets better every time I watch it. I agree. And it's in some ways so dense and so hard to understand that the narrative part of it that you kind of can start it wherever. Yeah. You kind of can jump in 35 minutes in an hour in you can start you can end it and then start it over if it's on cable like whatever if you have it on demand and so in that way it's like the perfect rewatchable movie because you can come at it from so many different angles and you can watch it in so many different ways and still find it satisfying plus you can't barely understand anything anyone says the entire movie because everyone's mumbling so each time i pick up a new line of dialogue so i watched it this week with the subtitles on with closed captioning yeah on. it's an american movie that needs subtitles and i was like Oh, that's why they do that. Like I had, there was like major plot points that I thought were just like, this just didn't get covered. They cut this part out. Nope. They explain it. Yeah. It's just, it's just painkiller. Colin is up on the roof mumbling into his linen jacket and you can't yeah. understand what he's saying unless you have closed captioning on. Intentional or unintentional? I think unintentional, but in, in unintentional in terms of like, I don't think that I think Michael Mann thought this movie makes perfectly good sense. Yeah. I'm the only one who understands <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, right. Except he's the only one who understands it. <laughs> I saw this movie in 06 and I was disappointed. But the hangover of the series was so profound. It was almost a no-lose. And I think we should talk about the series first to set up the movie itself. I'm a little older than you. The show basically transformed what a television drama was in a lot of ways. It was... It 
the MTV era was about two, we're about two years in with music videos and things looking cool and action scenes without dialogue and just things that hadn't happened before. And then Vice came in and just captured all of it and had a real distinct look. It caught Don Johnson, who suddenly became one of the biggest stars on the planet and was just a cool show and had good directors and great casting the first year and all these weird incredible people. music. Like, yeah, incredible music. It had Bruce Willis and it was the first TV show that anybody had made that there were scenes in it that really felt like a music video. Mm-hmm. And especially in the pilot, uh, you know, there's, he's driving Calderon is this big drug dealer they're trying to bring down and they're driving on the airport, try to stop him. And Sonny Crockett played by Don Johnson. They stop, he stops at a payphone. And calls his ex-wife and he's like, Caroline, was it real? And she's like, you bet it was. And then he just got, it's just wide shot, the ocean's behind them. Yeah. They were just not scenes like that. And as the, the show was on for five years, a couple of them were bad. It had one one big rejuvenation season near the end. Sonny became, had amnesia, became a villain. He grew a ponytail. It's pretty good. Julie Roberts is in it. No it's way, a, really? Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, there's a great four ep- Oh, I'm going to make you watch that okay. this weekend. Great four episode. Sonny has amnesia and thinks he's a hitman. <laughs> <laughs> and dates Julie Roberts. And it's it's awesome. Yeah. But uh, And then it dies. And then it took on this kind of cultish status. Found a home on some cable stations. And then some momentum builds for the movie. And you really couldn't win with the movie. And Colin Farrell was not as cool as Don Johnson. And... It just, it yeah. just, everybody's like, ah, eh. and about seven years after it started to flip. Sure. So I think I weirdly, Michael Mann might not have been the right director to bring this to the screen. If what you wanted to recapture was the things that people specifically liked about the television show. In some ways, maybe it just never should have gone to this, to the big screen because Miami Vice was always more of a vibe show than it was a story show. Well, and it was also a funny show, yeah. at least for the first couple of years, there was, real chemistry with the partners and Don Johnson's as Sonny Crockett was like legit funny. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is the opposite of funny. No, not even there might be be two jokes in the whole movie. And both of them are when Jamie Foxx is having sex with his girlfriend. (laughs) There's no other jokes in the movie at all. There's some funny parts. Like when they're bracing Eddie Marzan for the first time and, and, and Justin Theroux is like, get to watch Marlon's highlights on your 65 minute (laughs) plasma. But for the most part, no, it's not a funny movie. Deadly serious. Yeah. And it also happened, I think at a point in Michael Mann's career where he was clearly interested in just pushing the boundaries of what he could do visually in a blockbuster box. Mm. And it's, it's almost avant-garde the way it looks in some sets in some scenes and that's something that i think is really people have responded to online you can see all these essays and all these sort of memorials for it it became like a big colors yeah it became a big tumblr movie where people would you know grab screenshots of different frames of it and kind of build these kind of cathedrals to miami vice and it is a deep i think it is a very influential movie but it was definitely flatly like rejected when it first came out it wasn't a big box office success it was definitely not a critical success it basically marked the first the end of the first era of colin farrell as a movie star. I remember leaving the theater thinking his career was over. I think Colin Farrell now, thought that too. Yeah. And now I watch the movie and I'm like, Colin Farrell's great. Yes. I wish I had been all in. Yes. Yeah. I, I, he was on to something I didn't fully understand and I still don't totally understand, but yeah. I love it. I agree with you. And I think that part, you know, for me in 2006, when this came out and this is coming off, of, I mean, this is 
very much this 10-year run where Michael Mann's my favorite working filmmaker. In some ways, he still is. But Tenure? Yeah, because from here on. I'm like on, 24. Yeah, I mean, even Manhunter, Last of the Mohicans. I go to Jericho Mile. Yeah, exactly. Thief. Yeah. But, you know, Heat, uh, Cl- uh, The Insider, Collateral, Ali, and people have mixed feelings about Ali, but he's basically on this run where he's doing that thing that we love in filmmakers, which is making these these really inventive, beautiful thought provoking movies that are still like mass entertainments and, and, and they're, they're, they're out there for this mainstream audience. The first like six minutes of Ali is unbelievable. Incredible. It's so good. Oh, the, the Ali scene with, has, the, with Sam Cooke singing. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. Oh, Michael Mann. And Jamie Foxx shows up. Yeah. And that, that was so disappointing about black hat is even like Michael man movies that aren't that good. will have a stretch. That's mm-hmm. just like fantastic. And for whatever reason, black hat didn't, I don't know whether he gave up or maybe I, we need to watch black hat again. Maybe it's like knows, a little right? hidden gem. It 2000, might be- 2026. Maybe we'll be doing a black hat pod. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it was Chris Hemsworth's uh, accent, remember? Yes. We, I think we saw it together. Yeah, we saw it. We and saw we it in like, the theater. What is, why did they give him a New York accent? He's a hacker. Life. He yeah. could have been from Australia. Yeah. Didn't matter. So the Vice movie, 06, he's coming off of Collateral on 04, which is another movie that I wish was on more often. Has some logistical issues, which we've discussed before on this podcast for some reason about being able to get from LAX to downtown LA in seven minutes and stuff like that. But is a really cool LA movie. Yes. I would say top five or six. Just Excellent like, LA movie. Just the city's just laid out. It's beautiful. It's beautifully shot. It's cool. It's got evil crews with the white hair. Also, the uh, one of Michael Mann's hidden gifts is he looks at a variety of different actors and is able to say, this guy should be a cop. And he did that with Mark Ruffalo in, yeah. in Collateral. And he kind of does it uh, with a lot of the people who are in Vice, but specifically random people like like Justin Theroux. You wouldn't necessarily have been like, that guy should be a Vice cop who's yeah. on this crew. Yeah. And Dom from Entourage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the movie came out 20 years after the peak of the series, which ties into my 20-year rule, Chris Ryan. Nostalgia works the best 20 years later. So like the Brady Bunch movie comes out in right. like 1994. It's just perfect. It's 20 years later. You have the people who grew up with the movie and then the people who a generation later who caught up to it and right. then like a new generation ready to do it. You get basically three generations ready to roll. And there was a lot of anticipation for it. Twitter's not in place yet. The internet is not the way the way it is now. There's no Rotten Tomatoes like the even close to the way it is now. But we there was bad buzz. Yes. There was buzz that the movie was too expensive. There was buzz about problems on the set. They had really bad luck. They filmed it in... <laughs> let's, o- let's just... Can we, can we take a sec? Problems on the set is an understatement. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was going to go through it. Like, Well, first of all, they lost seven days of filming because of multiple hurricanes. This is the Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. And there was like yeah. two other ones. And just it just happened to be like where they were filming the movie in Miami and like, the you know, off the coast. They filmed in Ciudad del Este. Haiti, Dominican Republic, Colombia, Cuba, and Miami. Yes. During a massive run of hurricanes. So you right. can guess how that went. Uh, it's a, I, I never know what to believe on the internet, and I don't want to step on half-fast in, uh, internet research corner a little too much, but it does seem like Michael Mann might have been writing the script on the fly. I have no doubt. Uh, or doing extensive rewriting of the script on the fly. It feels that way. The movie completely changes course two or three times. In a way that now is kind of like, 
oh yeah it's the gong lee section yeah, yeah. It's like, why is this happening yeah the, so he filmed in uh not only unsafe weather locations but initially he chose a couple locations for like their real real seediness yeah, like the verisimilitude down. yeah right and <laughs> Apparently crossed the line. He was drafting gang members as security and um, was going to places that police wouldn't go into. And then somebody got shot. Yeah. In Panama? Yeah. One of those. It was like Panama or maybe Dominican Republic. I think it was Dominican Republic. Somebody got shot, which ended up causing them to have to change the ending of the movie. Because Jamie Foxx, who by multiple accounts had kind of uh, was feeling himself. He had just won the Oscar for Ray. He was now an A-list star. He's in this movie. Somebody shot, and he's like, "Fuck this! I'm out." Right. I'm not going. I'm not going back down there. I'll quit the movie unless we stay in the United States. Now, this isn't quite like what happens sometimes, where you'll see somebody wins an Oscar, and studios will more or less rush up movies they might have had in the can with that person in them, yeah, and then advertise them. So that happened with Jennifer Lawrence, yeah, with some horror movie that came out. Oh yeah, but with Jamie Fox, he was on the Ascendance. And he, he had is, ascended. Yeah, he had ascended. He's win, won the Oscar. And he's kind of has like a th- he's really good in this movie. I really enjoy him. But he's got a thankless role in terms of he disappears for a big chunk of it so that it can become Sonny's story. Right. So there's a story that's pretty damning about Fox's behavior in this movie. And who knows? They might have exaggerated some details. But basically, he's like demanding to fly charter only. Yeah. Um, demands to get the thing. He's almost quits and. This part isn't great, as you said. Our uh, our esteemed colleague, Cam Collins, enraged both of us and really lit the fire for this podcast. And you know what? We didn't invite him either. He's not <laughs> invited after the mean tweet he had about Jamie Foxx. Basically insinuated Jamie might have mailed it in, in the movie. And I, I tweeted under it, that hurt my feelings. And it did. It genuinely hurt my feelings that he felt that way. You don't think Jamie Foxx mailed this in, right? It's weirdly one of my favorite Jamie Foxx performances. I agree. Even if he did mail it in, I don't necessarily think that's bad for a it's Jamie Foxx performance. It's a controlled Fox mail-in. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, he made the decision to mail it in. Yeah, it's the, the opposite of Dion Waiter's hands. It's, it's sort of like, I'm just going to play like my role and set picks and do some back screens. But he, whether because he's disaffected or because he's just trying to get off the set because Farrell's crazy and Michael Mann's writing the script as they're going along and there's shootings on the set, he really underplays this role. And I think it really works with the tone of the movie. He lets his personality out in the scenes with his girlfriend, played by Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris, yeah. What happened to her? She's around. She's but still, she never, never like really she blew never really it up popped though, off right? on a major level. No, I think she's super likable in this movie. Yeah, I don't she, know. She never found she the right really part. She does really good stuff though. Yeah, but in those scenes, the personality comes out. But other than that, he plays it really straight. He does not play Tubbs as a wide crack, wisecrack guy compared to on the TV show. Philip Michael Thomas's Tubbs has some of the most over the top scenes in the history of television, including the famous strip joint scene. With uh, there, what was that rock whale song? I always feel you like somebody's, somebody's watching, watching me. me. Yeah. And he gets up as tubs. He's doing spins. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's it's flat out fantastic. But Fox reined it in. The one thing Tubbs could do in this movie: fly planes. Yeah. In the in the TV show, Tubbs was just this New York City cop, kind of on the rise, who's trying to find out who killed his brother. Right. It's it's hard to say what happened with with the ending, and how it would have been different. Because I actually like the ending, which we'll get to in this movie. But the fact that Michael Mann remains disappointed to this day 
makes me wonder what the ending could have been in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Most people say- How phenomenal was it that Michael Mann is still pissed off about right. it? Well, you have to imagine that this is his baby, right? Like he's done a lot of different adaptions of stuff. He did, you know, Manhunter was a novel. Last Mohicans is a novel. He's worked on a bunch of different kinds of projects. Heat and Miami Vice, which you could look at in a lot of ways as these, you know, these duo crime films are basically the major stories he's been working on for most of his career up until the point where he puts out Miami Vice as a movie. And he had done other versions of Heat. It's a television movie version. It, you know, he'd been working on that for a long time. And now, Miami Vice was, by all accounts, the movie version of it was Fox's idea. Like Fox yes. went up by reportedly went up to, to man at the Ollie party, like yeah. the party for the movie release. And was like, we got to do Vice, you know, that he was in on it. He he had worked with uh, man twice before yeah. on Collateral and Ali. So he knew his shooting style. He knew what he did. Something about this movie went off the tracks, though. It's interesting because when he was in Ali... I never even considered Jamie Foxx an actor. I just thought he was like a comedy guy and guy from Living Color. I think the Ali performance is better than Ray. Well, that's the thing. He's in Ali and he was kind of the revelation of Ali. He played Bundini Brown and he's having these scenes. You're like, wait a second, is Jamie Foxx an actor? Yeah. It was one of those. The collateral, he's really good. And another understated performance. And then this one, I was super hyped for this movie when it came out. I was like... (laughs) You know, I remember I went, I covered the Ali junket for page two in 2001 and I went and it was the only junket I think I ever covered. You get like 10 minutes with sure. everybody and Michael Mann was in the room and this was, I'm still young. I hadn't been around that many celebrities and I'd revered Miami Vice and Michael Mann and I, I genuinely geeked out. How did you like, take it? I Well, there was like 20 other people there. I was, oh, okay. I just had more of that like stalking look on my face probably, but, uh, I was just so, I was like, that guy's a genius. I can't believe I'm in the room with a genius. Yeah. Like that, that was kind of the level he was at. And uh, now I look back at Miami Vice. I think one of the reasons that it belatedly kind of took off was the TVs and the HD. Uh-huh. So like 06, most of us, none of us really have the widescreens yet, right? No. We no. don't have HD I still had yet. a box back then. Yeah. yeah. Most people had a box. We don't have HD now you have these nice TVs and they're nice and spread out and the colors are great and you can really appreciate this movie for what it is, which is just just spectacularly shot movie. What were the cameras they used for this? They used like the, some special like Thomas, cameras that aren't normally Thompson Viper film cameras. So they're digital these these digital film cameras. I think part of what they can do is shoot it in at night with no additional lighting. Right. They're basically they can read light at a very sensitive level so that you don't have to put a key light over Colin Farrell's face when he's standing in an empty parking lot in the middle of the night. In most of this movie is at night. Yeah. And you mentioned how this movie is so rewatchable. It starts like in the middle of a scene, basically. Oh, There's yeah. no credits. It's like, all right, here we go. And then the movie, and they're in the strip joint and there are strip joint slash nightclub. And it's just off. We're off. We yeah. don't know, even know who's in they're the movie. They're at mansion. Yeah. The movie ends with Jamie, uh, Colin Farrell drops off Gong Lee and goes to the hospital and just gets out of the car. He has this weird walk toward the hospital and he goes in the door and it just ends. Yeah. The movie from start to finish goes at a certain pace and never says, here I am and now I'm leaving. And it could still be going. It feels like it could be going 13 years later. And it really lends itself to a kind of, it's it's not even all film criticism. It is, but it's also film celebration. Uh, you know, guys like Sean Witzke, who we worked with at Grantland, who uh, he and I both love this movie and, just like the way that you can sort of break down a movie into its little parts 
on your website, on your blog, on your Tumblr, where you can take screenshots, you can do GIFs, you can take little YouTube clips, and you can kind of separate it from the context of the actual film and whether or not the movie itself is like this ultimately satisfying story that teaches you something about life. You can just extract the coolness from it now. Yeah. And I think that in a weird way, it's almost like uh, it's better appreciated as a greatest hits album than as a album statement you know yeah. it's almost easier to listen to the singles within the movie but there's so many good singles in it that you wind up being like this is a great album you know like you were the first person i knew who liked it yeah yeah i had always liked it but was kind of afraid to come out of the closet with it and then i heard you talk about how much you liked it and then i think i got it on blu-ray that the unrated director's cut or the extra cut or whatever that was like which is a, it, there's a distinction i mean the director's minutes. cut this is an extra 30 minutes yeah. of stuff. And it has a different opening and it, I think just other pl- parts of it get fleshed out with little character beats. Scenes go on a little bit longer than they do in the theatrical version. But the most significant part is just this little bit where you get why they're at the club in the first place. Even, yeah. Just because they're working on an undercover case. That seems important. Yeah. Which is still in the Miami Vice verse. It's just so awesome because they're like, we got to go undercover. So what should we go undercover as? go fast boat drivers you know and it's like awesome it's not just like you guys aren't junkies you're not you're not doing right. anything that's not so cool you're you're at like the miami polo cup posing as like speedboat drivers so this is one of your favorite director's cuts for like adding to a movie yeah i mean i i tend to there's another one that's uh really scott's kingdom of heaven which is uh this orlando bloom movie that uh i think in the the theatrical version is like two hours or something but this really scott's version might be like a little bit more than three hours and it's incredible i get like it's like it's not lawrence of arabia good but it's really 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 great um i know that there are some directors who are just like if i didn't get to put that out in the theater i'm not gonna do like a makeup call on it see i don't like that theory at all Scorsese won't do that yeah well paul thomas anderson said to us he doesn't go backwards really but like uh cameron crowe has the untitled Almost famous. director's cut for almost famous. And I think it really adds to it. Like there's stuff with Russell Hammond and you know, I, I think sometimes studios get scared by these big fat movies and they're just like two hours. Yeah. That's it. Don't go one minute over. I think vice is probably like two Oh four. Yes. And the director's cut is like two forty. Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, this movie, it costs between one thirty five and one fifty, depending on who you believe. They did an insane amount of marketing for it. Yeah. And I think it barely broke even, but probably now, considering how much it's on TV, it's probably paying off. I you would know, think. the other thing about this is that, you know, it probably had one of the sharpest disparities between what it was being sold as and what it was. Now, I don't know well, if you would, it was the shadow of the TV series. Sure. But if you it, they sold it as Lincoln Park playing these guys being like, we get down when we calls for it. And just, you know, like yeah. one more over the top. You know, they, it was a real buddy cop movie. And when you go see it, it's basically an art film that happens to include drug smuggling. It's a one hundred fifty million dollar art film yeah. with action. So I don't know if anyone would have gone and seen it if you had presented it more as this is this arty movie. This came out, I think, in like May or June that year, right? It was a summer. It was supposed to be a summer blockbuster. Well, I remember, for some reason, I'm going to say it was NBC, which I think would make sense, but I was watching something, and they promoted a, a scene from the new Miami Vice, an actual scene. Maybe it was The Contender. Is that possible, that boxing show? Yeah, that would and make it, sense. And it ended, and it was... Sony was like, oh my God, they're going to show a scene from the movie. Holy shit. 
And they showed the scene of when they go to see uh, Yarrow for the first yeah. time. Yeah. And they're walking through the streets and just the whole scene with the, with Sonny holding the grenade, which is really one of the best five minutes in the movie. Yes. And after they showed that, I was like, oh my God. We can close each other's oh. eyes real quick. Yeah. 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 Oh, when is this coming out? And- you know, and then all the hype and everything, and it just, the theater experience didn't live up to it. Yeah. It was too jarring, but now it's not jarring. Now it's been 12 years. And you talk about man, you know, and you, you, he's his genius. And we've obviously talked about him a lot on, on re- previous rewatchables, especially Heat. One of the things that you just, I don't think I appreciated at the time, and that now I look at it and I'm just like, you just, you're the one man, is how you can feel him pushing himself. Even though he's going back to the well and doing this thing that he probably is the best known for other than heat. Yeah. He's like, I am not going to play anything straight. Yeah. I'm not going to do any of my old tricks. Even when there's a heist scene, it's going to have all these weird angles and I'm going to shoot something from the the backseat of a car as guys are getting shot. So it's not as visceral or it's much more horrifying and it's alienating. It's just so many moves he does in this movie. Like every time I watch this movie, there is a new shot where I'm like. You know, I there's a shot even just in the uh, the John Hawks death scene on the highway that happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie, yeah. where it's I think it's from John Hawks's perspective, and he's looking off, and he's just like this weird five second shot of the the night. Yeah, he's staring and off. He's yeah. trying to decide whether or not like what to do as he's finding out that his wife has been killed by the Aryan Brotherhood. And I had never noticed that before. And if I had, I probably was like, "Why are you cutting away from here?" Yeah, and it's so good. It's so good as a like. This is the last seconds of this guy's life. And it's just little things like that you do not notice when you're in a movie theater. And you're like, where is in the air tonight? Yeah. You know? It's the, it's just different. The handheld camera stuff is really oh, good that he does yeah. this movie too. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have Jan, ha- Jan Hammer. Yeah. Who was, had the iconic, my advice time, which by the way is my cell phone ring that people hear on the, on the podcast sometimes when my phone rings that I forget to turn the ringer off like a little bit earlier. Yeah. I'll let it ring the next time. You can listen to Sibyan Hammer. But yeah, he he did not want to make Miami Vice the TV show as a movie. All right, we're going to do the categories, but before we do, I have a challenge for you. Okay. But I'm going to time you, actually. Oh, God. You have 30 seconds to explain the entire plot of Miami Vice. I'm way better at the beginning, but here's how it starts. All right, go. Okay, Crockett and Tubbs are Miami-Dade PD, like major crimes detectives. They go undercover here and there. They're friends with this guy named Alonzo, who has been contracted out of Miami-Dade work to work for the FBI. So he's working on an FBI case, but that case gets blown up. Like somebody is a mole inside of the investigation. Ten seconds left. And they... (laughs) (laughs) And then he meets Gong Lee, and they go on a boat and have a mojito, and then there's a couple of shootouts, and it's over. (laughs) Close. Yeah. Close. Good job. Hey, before we get to the categories. Time is luck, Bill. (laughs) I want to tell you about the all new BMW X3, which was not built for everyone. It was engineered for those who share the desire of more, more passion, more ambition, more making every second count. Kind of sounds like a Michael Mann movie. The new BMX3 capable of doing more. And when I think of athletes who have more passion, more ambition, more class in the competition, I think about Tom Brady. (laughs) Okay. We're taping this before the Super Bowl, so that's why we're being I'm just going to move on. Other. But Tom Brady has reached a level of performance that's placed him as the best to play the position, all because he had the desire and drive to win more than anyone in the history of the game. Like my favorite Patriot, the BMW X3, capable of more with the level of performance you expect from a BMW. Drive 6.0 with an intuitive touchscreen, available safety features, 
like active blind spot detection and next generation X drive intelligent all wheel drive. The new, all new BMW X3 was built to handle whatever road terrain or adventures ahead, no matter what. I should have made you test drive one of these when you're on your little test drive extravaganza. Yeah. Test drive the all new BMW X3 at your local BMW center today. Drop my name. Say Simmons sent me. They won't know what you're talking about, but you should try it. BMW only makes one thing, the ultimate driving machine. When we did the Goodwill Hunting podcast, we found out that Michael Mann wanted to turn Goodwill Hunting into a movie about car thieves. That's all you need to know about Michael Mann. <laughs> That's how he sees the world. He sees that script, this beautiful story about a friendship between these two guys <laughs> and one smart dude. He's like, what if they robbed cars? The most rewatchable scene of Miami Vice a surprising number of candidates there. First of all, do you count the 15 minute opening as its own scene or would you split that Where are you up? cutting it off? Well, like, I could say you could, you could basically start it and go all the way through to John Hark's getting hit by the truck. Cause I feel like you could. With the Leonetta getting killed and the, the whole, uh, you can go the whole thing or just the opening in the nightclub. The nightclub is own. incredible. The nightclub is so awesome. What's your name? It's one of the best five-minute openings that's ever happened. And for some reason, they're just taking out bouncers. They're, like, just breaking guys' hands. I have no, I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't know idea why so many people had to be maimed and crippled. <laughs> also, just, like, the random, like, Sonny being like, where are you from, Rita? And she's like, this boy. And he's like, but you got your tan in my I want a mojito? <laughs> this movie made me want to drink mojitos. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a very pro-mojito movie. All right, so we'll split those up. The opening, the meet and greet gone wrong is fantastic. John Harks, one of the best suicide scenes I think we've ever Hawks. seen. Yeah, John, John Harks. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, John Harks was a soccer, a soccer player. player. Yeah, yeah, sorry, John John Hawks. Just somehow knows the truck's coming. Yeah. Just nails him perfectly, drags him under, and then man cuts away right Can't away. Can't really blame him, too. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Yeah. You, you get your wife beaten up and killed like that because you dimed her out. Tough to, tough to move on right. after that one. The Haiti negotiation scene mentioned earlier. Let's go to Cuba for mojitos. Hold that thought. <laughs> the kidnap trailer blows up, which is a gripping five minutes. Like yes. legit gripping when they go to save Jamie Foxx's girlfriend. The uh, the final shootout. And then the actual, actual ending, I would say, are the most rewatchable. My personal vote. Him and Gong Lee hopping on the speedboat and going to Cuba for mojitos <laughs> is... Absolutely one of the most breathtaking five minutes that will ever just randomly be on cable. Yeah. I take you to the best place for mojitos. Where's that? Bodeguita de Medio. Oh, keys? Havana. It is so good. It makes no sense. It's completely illogical. I don't what know is, where they what got is clothes. The time, boat time, time and boat. I, I don't, we're not supposed to ask these questions. It's an awkward first date. You can't talk the whole time. You're bouncing Evan, will on you the find waves. out how far Miami is to Cuba? Like how many miles? <laughs> Thank you. Um, By boat. Like what's the time in boat? So to recap, they have a big, they have a business meeting talking about Crockett and Tubbs are pretending to be uh, drug buyers. Drug buyers or transporters? They're doing transpo. Yeah, yeah. Good way to put it. Yeah. They have a business meeting. There's a little something going on with Gong Lee and Colin Farrell. They talk a little bit. There's some flirting. And basically he says, do you want to go get a drink? 
She's like, what do you like to drink? He says, mojitos. I know the perfect place to get mojitos. It's in Cuba. Fortunately, he has a speedboat. And they're off. They're going to Cuba. How many days do they spend there? Four, five? I don't know. It's, it makes it seem like it's an it's like a happy hour Does he thing. have clothes? I don't know. Does what she have she, clothes? Do you not get a little seasick when you're doing that? Like, I get it's seasick going 130 on miles yeah. an hour. It's like, like, put, are put you ever get off on. a boat and the first thing you want is sugary rum? <laughs> They're going so fast, he has to lean over and put a seatbelt on her. Yeah. Because she's going to fly out of the boat. And uh, I don't know. She has an outfit change. Did she have a house in Cuba? Yeah. Whose think, house were they at? She must have had I her think, own house, I think my, right? It was, it, the Archangel has like a couple places down there, right? So she had clothes there? Because she's wearing four dresses when yeah. they're in Cuba. But um, there's so many great things about that scene. First of all, it looks spectacular. Mind-modeling. Spectacular. It also harkens back to Vice because yeah. there's this great one. The the best Vice ever was the two-part Calderon's Revenge when they end up finally killing Calderon. But a two-parter. And this first beginning of the second part, they finally find out like some sort of connection to find out where Calderon is. They're interrogating the guy in the beginning. Tubbs hits a glass, breaks the glass. It actually cuts the guy, the actor's face. <laughs> and... uh and they realize they have to go to the Bahamas. Yeah. And they hop in a boat and they just film a music video on the boat for like, I'm going to say two minutes. And the song, there's this really cool 80s song called Voices. And it's like, voices, I hear voices. And it's a montage of they're just remembering all the times they almost died because of Calderon. <laughs> and it's like a music video. Yeah. And it is one of the best four minutes of the 80s on television. And Michael Mann pulls it back. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm. Going back, back to the some wall. memories yeah. because there were some a lot of speedboat scenes that first season. This is the best speedboat scene that's ever been. There's filmed also in a movie. this is also the dance sequence where in a, it leads it, to the dance yeah, sequence, yeah, which is to me up there with the flute sequence in Anchorman, where you're just like, why is this in the movie? <laughs> you know, it's like all this stuff that they cut out. Yeah, and maybe cut this one out. Yeah, and it, it does do. I'm mean, just the same thing with the. I don't know if this is director's call only, but there's just like a very long Jamie Fox sex scene in the in the with Naomi Harris and the, director's, the director's cut. cut. Yeah, it was like wow, I got the picture, but we're gonna keep going with this for another two or three minutes. Yeah, he's and, like really ramming it, yeah, ramming it home, and it's just like we really get like the full date that they have in Havana. It's yeah. wild. I gotta say it was effective though because that stuff with Jamie Fox, even though it was a little raw. It does make you think like, oh, yeah, that's his girl. Yeah, yeah, he's going to do anything for her. For Trudy, yeah. So your number one rewatchable is what? Uh, Speedboat? It's it's the Euro negotiation when they go there. And it's it's Jackson fucking Pollock or whatever the line is. It's like the the wallpaper is going to look like Jackson Pollock. And the grenade and everything, yeah. The I have this grenade and I'll kill everybody move yeah. is fantastic anytime it happens in a movie. It's always effective. Because the movie is so, it's it. a quasi-realistic movie, but they do stuff all the time where you're like, what? That You what? could possibly do what? this. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. The speedboat is, uh, if I know that, if I'm within 10 minutes of knowing that's happening, it's, I'm yeah. staying. Din- dinner is being postponed. Yeah. Reservations like, are being changed. Yeah. Wait, what's happening? Is there a basketball game? <laughs> no, it's, they're about to get in the speedboat. Evan, how far is it? Whatever. So 250 miles and he's going- Like 100 miles per hour? 80 w- miles let's per give hour? Him, let's give him 80. Okay. So it's like a three hour ride. Three hour ride going 80 <laughs> miles an hour in a speedboat. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're throwing up. Oh my First god! First of all, nobody's gonna be able to hear anything. Right. There's no like. So it's th- a three-hour, three completely hours. silent, nauseating boat ride. <laughs> you get out in Havana, and you're like, "Let's go get mojitos and dance." Not let's like say, I need to take a Dramamine and pass out for three hours. Let's say they're going sixty miles an hour. Now it's four hours. <laughs> Isn't the boat cold? Like there's no jackets. Yeah. The ocean's cold. Waves, other boats, <laughs> the Coast Guard. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. What's age the best? Ironically, one of the one of the candidates here is Mojitos. In fact, when I was watching this a, a month ago before I rewatched this for this, I had the mojito scene and Gong Li's like, how do you like the mojitos? <laughs> and he's like, they're excellent. And I just videotaped it and texted it to you because <laughs> the lack of chemistry in that scene is pretty hilarious. But uh, mojitos are a big winner in this movie. They Huge. really are. Huge. The mid 2000s music, which we'll, I'm going to come back to in a second. Colin Farrell's hair. Really nice. It's come back around. It's come back around. Yeah. It actually seems like he's it was so twelve years ahead weird of time at the time, and now you're so like, good. you know what? He's making it work. And the mustache, great too. If you saw Sonny Crockett dressed like that in Miami now, I think you'd probably be like, yeah, I get it. The mustache too, right? For sure. The great mu- without little, the mustache, it doesn't work. He kind of looks like the coolest baseball reliever on a team in the National League yeah. Championship game, yeah. crossed with a cop like in a Miami. Brave yeah, or a, a, or a giant. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mentioned how great the HD widescreen is now. How, the the how cinematography in general. Wonderfully yeah. that's aged with uh, how they film the movie. Just Cuba. Great, great Anytime spot. anybody says, let's go to Cuba, I'm in. Fat, the Fast uh, and Furious franchise has used this well. Don't they do that? They also go to the triple frontier, right? Where like Uruguay and Paraguay oh, and yeah. Brazil are or something like that. Cuba in movies seems way more fun than it probably is. Uh-huh. It just seems like just one big party yeah, and Godfather totally safe. Yeah. yeah. It's like, let's go to Cuba. We'll have drinks. It's always a nightclub, which is music. Four hour boat ride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the driving and silence scenes. Yeah. There's a couple. Now that's, that's a callback to Tubbs and Crockett from back in the day. Cause they would have scenes where they would be driving and, Tubbs would look over at Crockett or vice versa. There's a lot of like silent nodding and staring and soulful staring. And I have a question about that. Yeah. So one of the things that's really disappointing about living in Los Angeles is that you spend so much time in your car and it's really cool. You know, it's, it beats, you know, waiting on subways, but the traffic is so bad that you never really get to feel like tonight. I'm just going to take a drive. Silent. Yeah, silent drive and listen to the radio or whatever. Which, by the way, being from the East Coast was one of my favorite. Yeah. I love driving probably more than anybody. And it it really, so it's a real tease to live out here. But one of the things that drives me nuts about the Miami Vice stuff is half the time in their car scenes in Miami Vice, they take cell phone calls. So they're driving at like 105 miles per hour down I-95 and Jamie Foxx is just like, Hey, Sal, what's up, man? How you yeah. doing? And I'm like, there's no way yeah. with 2006 phone tech you can hear anybody while you're driving 105 nah. in a convertible. And somehow that's that was 100 times more realistic than them having a speedboat conversation <laughs> 130 miles an hour. <laughs> Another one that's aged the best, Mogwai. Did I say that right? The band? Yes, you sure did. That piano song at the end? With the, the shot of the waterfall? So good. Yeah. What happened to Mogwai? They're still kicking, man. I love Mogwai. They're one of my favorite bands of the last 20 years. It's hard to imagine a no vocal song 
being used better for an ending. Yeah, Mogwai has like really, really good cinematic music. They actually did the entire score for this really inventive uh, documentary about Zinedine Zidane. Mm. And it's just like them playing music over a single camera isolation of Zidane playing in a Real Madrid game. That that uh, inspired the Kobe doing work. Yeah, Spike exactly. Lee it's thing. the original news cage. Horrible. Yeah, yeah that, that one was the good one. Yeah. Though. I think Michael Mann, I don't know if he gets enough credit for how he uses music. No, I mean, but he is one of him and Scorsese are the two big like introducing pop music into these moments. I think Jonathan Demme did it really well, but too. But the difference between them is Michael Mann will use new music from the era, whereas Scorsese will use the Rolling Stones and yeah. the seven bands that he loved when he was 20. The The music in this movie is a really good metaphor for the movie itself. So when I first... Yeah, that this was, was going to be the last what's aged the best, sure. is the mid-2000s music. Right. So go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that when I first heard the numb encore mashup by Jay-Z and Linkin Park. I was which, like, which, by the way, has aged beautifully. I was like, terrible idea. I yeah. love encore. Jay-Z's made the Black Album. He's at like the peak of his powers. Yeah, arguably. why are you doing this? Why are we ruining this? It just takes me out of it. It makes me feel like this Miami Vice movie is just like a part of a corporate marketing plan. And then you see in the movie and you're, you're like, all right. Then like about five, six years later, you're like, you know, it's not bad. Is that numb encore mashup? <laughs> right. And then in 2017, 18, you're just like, you know what bangs? <laughs> Fucking numb and encore together. Why would I want chocolate and peanut butter separated? You know, like it's so good. And just the other day, I was just like this song and I played it in our Slack and like half the people were just like, this makes me want to deadlift. <laughs> like I'm ready to go play in a high school football game right now. <laughs> and it's just one of the most inspiring hype songs even though 10, 10 years ago, I hated it. My daughter, when we drive to soccer games, we've always listened to like Kanye and mm -hmm. hip hop and stuff that would get her fired up. And there's always a playlist. So we, there's been like five years of playlists now. And we listen to Kanye so much that we had to start introducing other songs. Mm -hmm. I introduced that one like about a year ago. It's just hard not to get fired up to it's got do anything athletic after you hear that song. It's so good. It's so good. It's really good. And she, it's... It's one of the classics, but <laughs> I remember when this movie came out, I had a real problem with the music. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Why you, are you playing all this heavy metal rock all, rap you song? You want 80s feeling, like yeah. new wave Where's synths? the the? Yeah, right. And now it's like absolutely the perfect music for this movie. And it actually captures, what was that, about a two, three year stretch there with that kind of music? Yeah, and it has, it has a lot of- It hits the best ones, Good basically. stuff, like the Moby in it is really good, and that was sort of like a big yep. thing in Heat was using Moby. They do a lot of stuff with like King Brit and this kind of like Latin-influenced house music is in it. It's just really, really perfect for the movie itself. Yeah, and I was trying to think of other mid-2000s movies. Yeah. This is probably the quintessential mid-whatever-weird-era that was. Yeah. This probably did the best job of incorporating the music into it, right? Yeah, I, I, look I don't at the really soundtrack, know what the other options are. It's also just like pretty, pretty accurate to like Miami club culture. I think in some ways, yeah, it had the kind of music you probably would have heard at places like Mansion or or Bed or Live or whatever the ones that were big back then. So, what do you think is uh, what's age the best for you? The music, the cinematography is age the best. Somehow, even though you, you'd expect something like that to be completely advanced past i think that there's just nothing that looks like it 
Yeah. Like, there's nothing that feels like you. this movie. And even the, the way colors, he would use it. Yeah, just like the little cutaways that he does, like when they're when their SWAT team is trying to go save Alonzo's wife, but it's mm. too late and it's all silent. You know, and just just the it's just an incredible looking movie. That's you can watch it with the sound off. He also because so much of it is at night, the daylight scenes really stand out. Yeah. When it's daylight, it's like, oh, daylight, and you know like something's gonna happen. What's age the worst? Flip phones. <laughs> the mumbling. The mumbling. I, I guess we'll never know. We'll never know until um, the greatest day in Ringer Podcast Network history when Michael Mann comes in and sits down with you, me and Sean. And he just mumbles for three hours? We, and we just interrogate him. We chain him to a chair and we fire questions at him for nine hours yeah. and we get all answers thing. Gong Lee's dialogue. She was a translator. I show you photography. It's a flung wedding. So it's a bad on, beat. On the research that I did for this, I was stunned to find out that she memorized all of her lines phonetically because she just doesn't speak English. Once I knew that, it, it I don't want to say it ruined Gong Lee because I'm gonna defend her in a second. It's just weird. It's weird to watch. And yet it's weird to watch in a way that I kind of like. It's it's unique. It's different. Her character is very strange and she does a lot with like her hands and like her eyes mm-hmm. and, and intensity. And it's almost like the words don't really matter as much as the attitude behind them. Yeah. So I think I'm all the way around on it, but it also would have been nice if she maybe could have ad-libbed. Emotionally <laughs> present. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. She's <laughs> literally remembering sounds as the, to spit out of her mouth. And you have to imagine that with Farrell, given what we're sort of led to believe about his state of being at that time, that he was not necessarily sticking to the script all the time. I don't know what to make of their chemistry. I know I've never seen anything like it in a movie, Yeah, but I also think he had way more chemistry with the waitress in the beginning of the movie. Sure. Yeah. Who, ordering a with mojito. Rita? He had a hundred yeah. times more sexual chemistry with her. Got you tan in Miami though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Gong Lee. Yeah. Uh, what stage is the worst for you? Any other candidates that I didn't mention? Uh, the mumbling stuff. I, I mean, like the Gong Lee thing is, is, uh, one of those that is so bad, you can't imagine the movie without it. The mumbling, I think, turns a lot of people off to the initial rewatch. There are scenes like that scene in the top of the parking garage towards the beginning of the movie with Siren Hines and Jamie and Colin and the and the police captain. We're just like, I just can't hear what's hap- what they're saying yeah. to each other. And it's like, what is this? The setup of the movie. <laughs> it <laughs> seems <know>? important. <laughs> yeah. It would be like Die Hard if like Bonnie Bedelia was like, do you want to come over to the knocker? Mm-hmm. Plaza. Mm-hmm. Going right there. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's the whole point of the movie is to understand why these guys are going undercover in the first place. Are you pro Gong Lee or, or anti Gong Lee? At this point, this I'm pro Gong Lee. Yeah, for sure. I'm 100% pro Gong Lee. Yeah. I've never really seen anyone like her in a major role in an action movie like this. Are you pro Gong Lee and Archangel Montoya's relationship? Like, do you buy that she would just be like, this is what I want to do is just kind of read the financial times in the middle of the Amazon with this guy. Yeah. With my, <laughs> he had like that heavy yeah. gross beard yeah. and just stares straight ahead. Yeah. And that weird look on his face. He looks a lot like the guy from uh heat who sets up the bank robbery. Yeah. Just Michael like, Mann loves those guys. There. He's just out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think she's a movie star. I can see why she was like one she's of the, the biggest movie stars yeah. in China. Cause she has so much charisma and intensity in this performance. And meanwhile, she can like barely speak English and I had to remember it as all sounds. Speaking of charisma, Valentine's day is coming up. Chris Ryan. Oh yeah. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, 
There's an awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Unlike flights, hotel rates get cheaper at the last minute sometimes. Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. Not for last resort places, but cool top-rated hotels. Do you think they use Hotel Tonight in the Cuba scene? After the four hour on the flip phone, yeah, they had to quickly find a hotel for Goggly to throw up in. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you could actually book a room on Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance, or in certain cities, 100 days in advance. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. Whether you need a sweet deal in a nice room for today, for the winter, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. Start scoring amazing deals and incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app right now. Tell them Sonny Crockett sent you. Casting what ifs. I found a couple. This one hurt my feelings. Edward James Olmos was given a chance to reprise his role as Castillo and turned it down. Yeah. What the fuck was he doing? Battlestar Galactica or something? I don't know. That's bullshit. Or just didn't want to go Get back over to the yourself, well. Edward James Olmos. Get to work with Michael Mann as a director? Maybe he wanted it to be Castillo's story, you know? Oh, f- he can fuck off. He had his own two-part episode in season one of Miami Vice. Jan Hammer was asked to do a different type of score. Turned it down. Okay. Well, did they say what kind? Was it more Lincoln Park based? My guess is he didn't want Jan Hammer. So he's like, hey, instead of the piano, what if you do you death metal, metal rock? <laughs> yeah. She's like, what? Will Smith, Denzel Washington, and Samuel Jackson were considered for the roles of Ricardo Tubbs. I don't know if I believe that. No, I believe that Will Smith. Fake, and that's this it. is Fox's idea. It's, it's his Fox's third movie idea. in a row with man. Like he's, he's not, not shanking. They're, they're Fox. not going to Denzel Washington and be like, "You want to play Ricardo Tubbs? You played Malcolm X. You want to play Ricardo Tubbs?" Yeah, come on. He's a sidekick. Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Matthew McConaughey all considered for the role of Sonny Crockett. I don't believe McConaughey. No way on Cruise. That's ludicrous. Cruise is Sonny Crockett. I would have thrown my body in front of that. Brad Pitt. Is this movie better or worse with Brad Pitt? Uh, I've, I've, the the biggest emblem of my my increasing ever ever increasing love for this movie is how into Colin Farrell's performance I am. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Guess and what, Brad Pitt? You're out of luck. Also, uh, as a big fan of making ofs of behind the scenes stuff, you know, I love when you watch Heart of Darkness and you see everything that Martin Sheen was going through on the set of Apocalypse Now. There's an element to what happened to Colin Farrell while he was on the set, where he was obviously battling with a lot of substance use problems and a lot of emotional problems or whatever. You could kind of feel that in the performance. I and agree. And it's not charismatic. It is not a movie star performance. He barely enunciates. He looks I physically think it is a movie unwell. Star performance. But it is a real choice, man. It is a really cool performance in a lot of ways. So I, you know, for as much as I love Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Cruise or whatever, like there's just nobody else I'd rather see in this role. Well, and also on the TV series, Sonny was this kind of boozing, cigarette smoking, yeah. trouble with the ladies, going through a divorce guy who, uh, you know, was the kind of guy who'd wake up at one in the morning on a speedboat and some girls leaving. So can I Colin ask you- Colin Farrell, that fit, the way he played it and the way he was in real life, that was Sonny Crockett. There's that scene in, in the movie where Trudy explains- how they're getting their aliases together. So it's like, you yeah. guys both did time in Pelican Bay and Sonny's an ex-military and Tubbs did 10 years for, you know, armed robbery. And they're putting together their identities. I'm never quite positive in the show or the movie. Just like, are they using like evidence or like repossessed money to fund the car leases or what? I had this in the picking nits section. We can get to it there then. Let's save that because okay. there's another separate question for that too. I'm glad we agree on Colin Farrell. Yeah. 
And there are scenes, especially like in the last third of the movie before the shootout, when it seems like in real life he's going off the deep oh, end. Oh, yeah. He starts to actually look worse as the movie. We hit about the hour and a half mark. For sure. It looks like he's like barely getting through it. Where yeah. They're like, Colin, can you hold on for four more days and then we'll take you to rehab? <laughs> it does have that feel to it. The Dion Waiters Award... John Harks slash Hawks. Uh, John Hawks. Sorry, John Hawks, that I called you John Hawks. Dom from Entourage. During the heyday, during the apex of Dom, for, Dom from Entourage, yeah. he's the bald guy who's partners with Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Bald skin skinhead guy who's been a bad guy in a number of movies. Yes. He's the head guy. He's in the first shootout. He's at the shootout at the end. Trudy. The, the accent is extra. Trudy, is Trudy Naomi Harris or no? Yeah. What was the other partner's name? The other woman in the movie? Yeah, the other woman. Uh, are you talking about Gina Calabresi? She has some pretty good uh, police, like, yeah. rolling around the cars, firing up, shooting. That That's a good combo. Because sure. in the TV series- or Elizabeth Rodriguez, yeah. In the TV series, they were just basically, Trudy and, uh, and Sandra Santiago are basically just hookers. Right. It was, they right. never actually used them as cops. I was like, can you guys pretend to be hookers again? And, um, you're leaving two big names on the, on the draft board. Yarrow and heavily bearded guy. Who else am I leaving out? You're leaving Eddie Marzon as Nicholas in there. The guy who has to set up the buy in the first place. And yes. he's just like in his condo and he's just like, baby, they're vertically integrated. <laughs> <laughs> Do you what know do you what have? that means? Usually the Dion Waiters Award winner for Best Heat Check jumps out. I don't know who it is this time. I think it it's Marzan. Be... I think it's really that that is one scene when he goes for it so huge and he's just like, they're like, why haven't you cleaned up your apartment? You know, it was it's such a great scene with him doing that. Not John Hawks. Well, Hawks goes out like a champ. I mean, we can give it to Hawks. I vote for Hawks. Okay, we I'll can, go we Hawks can split it. No, we can split it. Half ass internet research. Apparently, they did fake drug busts with Colin Farrell, but they were actually, they told Colin Farrell they were real. No, come on. Yeah. What's and, your uh, source on that? This is half-assed internet research. Devin Nunes told you that? <laughs> Man put Farrell in jeopardy by bringing him along, parentheses, with real FBI drug squads to drug bust so the actor could build up the character of Crockett even more. It was later revealed that Man faked these busts. Oh, okay. When the film version was being developed by Michael Mann... Don Johnson was asked who he would pick to play Sonny Crockett. Who did he suggest? Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Number one draft pick. In all European advertising for the film, Colin Farrell got top billing. But in the American advertising, Jamie Foxx Fox got top did, Yeah, billing. I remember that. It, the advertising, the commercials also leaned on Fox a lot too. The boat taken to Cuba by Sonny and Isabella, Gong Lee's character, is an MTI powerboat named Mojo that is on sale for five hundred thousand dollars. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up what Mojo's top we, MPH is. When we sell the Ringer, I'm buying Mojo, and you and I are going. Where can we go? What's four hours away that we would throw up on each other? Which what trip? <laughs> Seattle. We're going to Seattle. Catalina. <laughs> and 120 then, uh, miles per hour is the max MPH on this thing. On the Mojo. Yeah. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the Miami right, so let's Vice say, boat. Let's say he's going 110, 250 miles. So that's like two hour, two, 210? Yeah, here's a newsflash. You know what doesn't feel good? Going 110 on the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. <laughs> it's amazing that they didn't flip over. 
Here's my number one greatest fact from this movie. Colin Farrell is 11 years younger than Lee Gong. Gong Gong Lee. You knew this? I didn't. Okay. Apex Mountain. Other than Dom from Entourage and Mojitos. (laughs) What is is your Colin Farrell Apex Mountain? Are you saying this is a belated Apex? I'm saying that I think it might be in Rushmore. I think it's in the it's in the conversation. I mean, for me, it's the Miami Vice movie. Is it? It's the most profound Colin Farrell performance. Mine's mine's in Bruges. Okay. Jamie Foxx, no. Michael Mann, no. Gong Lee, definitely not. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, the Mojo Speedboat, yes. <laughs> Until we buy it, <laughs> try to race it to Hawaii. Five hundred grand. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's about it. Anything else? For for Apex Mountain, I mean the the the, the Thompson Viper cameras. Where to yeah. go for those Apex Mountains for those? This is the easiest category we've ever had. Would Danny Trejo have made this movie better? <laughs> is there any role? There's 20 roles that you he could in this. Have cast Trejo in. He could with have the been exception of Trudy. He could have been <laughs> like a dot, like a Eddie Murphy movie where he plays all the Dr. parts. Dr. He plays Crockett Tubbs. He could have played Fujima. He could have played Euro. He could have played Montoya. He could have played the sad face sergeant guy. What's that guy's Crockett name? Barry or Tubbs. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, like he could have played. He could have played Alonzo. He could have been. He basically just, is Alonzo in Heat. He he definitely could have been Alonzo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put me out of my misery. Uh, he could have played John Hawks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He could have played Alonzo. Well, Danny, it's almost insulting this is the that Trejo, he wasn't. This is the Trejo movie. It's insulting that he wasn't. Probably in this. What we would have just you know we we would have had ourselves a blockbuster on our hands if Trejo is in this movie at least once. I wonder if Michael Mann and Trejo had a falling out during Heat. That's a good question. That's the only reason I could think of that he was in this movie, or he had a schedule conflict. Picking nits, you mentioned the cell phone thing, which is just being able to have cell phone calls in speedboats and convertibles is is a stretch. How do where do they get all the money for the drive? That's never been clear in any TV or movie. How so they I just have so much cash have, on hands. like repossessed cash houses that they've repossessed. I guess. Clothes? Like, You're talking tens of millions of dollars, yeah. like cars. The other thing I've always wondered, and this was one of my issues with Miami Vice, when even when I was watching as a kid, how did Crockett and Tubbs stay undercover for that long in one city? Oh God! Remember because they how is the, the, how is the word movie, not out like, the street? Turn away from the crime scene. Like yeah. it's like just like two guys driving around a Ferrari is normal anyway. Like do you guys just right. not notice that? The. uh and in, in the TV show, his alias was Sonny Burnett. Yeah. I was like, oh, that'll that'll throw him off the scent. I love it when it's just one name. Yeah. They Sonny do that Burnett. with witness no, protection. No, it's Sonny Crockett. Yeah, with yeah. witness protection sometimes they do that. Any other pick and nits? We covered the speedboat from Miami to Cuba. How they had clothes in Cuba. Uh, there's a moment. How he just disappeared from work for four days during this massive investigation that he's allegedly supposed to be doing. I'll be right back, guys. When the Aryan Brotherhood. I've never done a drug deal with a white supremacist bank 
the biker gang. But when the Aryan Brotherhood is having that meet with the guy who winds up being an FBI agent, yeah. and the guy's like, we got meth, we got ice, we got speed. It's like, those are the same things, more or less. I think yeah. you could have just covered them with one. So there's a degree to which where I'm like, did Michael Mann know what he was doing? Or did he just go to like a drugs website and listed all the drugs? Yeah, and get then, a drug consultant, yeah, Michael Mann. Cop, Colin Farrell's on set. Yeah, Colin Farrell's <laughs> right there. Go ask him. <laughs> yeah, you should have made up a couple drugs, right? Yeah. Or just like if you've been you say, like, I got microphone. If you say you've got ice, you could just keep it moving from there. You yeah. Know? The the other picking nits I had. Are we sure Kraken and Tubbs are friends in this movie? Did they have one moment that well, made they you have, think? I think there's a little bit more antagonism. Like when he comes out and he's like over at Trudy and Rico's place, and Trudy's obviously been there with Rico. He's just kind of like doesn't say anything and she's like hello trudy like yeah. she has to remind him and then rico obviously gets nervous about isabella and sunny getting together later in the movie and it winds up kind of backfiring and almost you know like with trudy and stuff so i definitely don't think that they're as close in this movie although they have scenes where they're just like we're in so we're in so deep we gotta take it to the limit you know there wasn't the scene that i would have thrown in in 48 hours has a great one of this when nick nolte and Eddie Murphy go get a drink after they think they've lost Gans and they're just kind of hanging out and it's clear there's like a friendship. I needed that scene. Maybe yeah. is it in the director's cut? It's not. Not really. They have a little bit more hanging out in the director's cut. They do a little bit more driving around together. They seem like they get along great when they're in the car. Like a scene where they can't find Crockett, but he's at the Clevelander. Yeah. He's having a drink and, and <laughs> tough shows. He's watching Levitard. He's watching Levitard show. <laughs> He's hanging out with Stu Gatz. Yeah. That'd be and, good. Uh, he's like, he's hey, just man, like Tannehill's not elite. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I've been well, who was the 2006 Dolphins quarterback? I don't even know. I've been trying to find you. Where have you been? I was talking to Mike Ryan and Guillermo. <laughs> me and Matt Ro- me and Matt Moore were in the back of the bar doing coke, ice, meth, speed. <laughs> the best quote. There's really only one. And it's a great quote. And it's a quote that he used from Heat. And he used for Manhunter. So obviously it's the most important quote of Michael's man's life. Because in Manhunter, is used by Molly talking to Will Graham. In Heat, it was used by Neil McCauley as he was trying to convince Edie. Edie to leave with him. Why are you so interested in medals, lady? <laughs> and then it's used again. Isabella telling uh, Sonny Crockett, life is short, time is luck. <laughs> time is luck is great. Life is short, time is luck. Some variation of that is the theme of every Michael Mann movie. Yeah. The heat is around the corner in 20 seconds. Life is short. Time is luck. Clearly, he thinks about time a lot. The constraints of time. Mark Ruffalo overacting award. This is the first time we've done this where you could do it. The Mark Ruffalo. What, they knew, Robbie! <laughs> they knew we cut him loose! Overacting award. I didn't really feel it in this one. The only one I guess was overacting was the guy with the thick beard, but he might not just have been that able to act. That also just might be who he is. Yeah, he, that I might don't really think be I've who ever seen is. him in anything else. Yeah, no, he might have been some drug dealer. Michael Mann found. Uh, you know, John Ortiz is great. He does overdo a little bit too much as Euro sometimes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone overacted. If anything, there was too much underacting. Yeah, exactly. There was, there was not too much underacting. Of words. Maybe we need to add a Mark Ruffalo category where it's like the Miami Vice Award for most underacting. It's like the Mark Ruffalo Foxcatcher Award for underacting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I hated that movie. 
Probably unanswerable questions. <laughs> We're gonna do to do Isabella and Sonny get together down the road. <laughs> I'll do that now. It's on let's, the list. Let's do it. Did Sonny ever go back to Cuba to find her? I think he did. Yeah, I think he's back there in a year. Well, he does say that the Cubans don't like his passports. <laughs> <laughs> he went back for her fiftieth birthday, and two years later, has an interagency task force ever worked successfully in a movie? No. No, is there ever once a- I hear interagency task force, I'm like, ah oh, man, this yeah, is gonna like fucked ATF, up. ATF, FBI, and it's just yeah, like the only people who are involved is, in Miami. This Dade. is gonna be a disaster. The shootout. Which one? The ending the end. shootout. I just feel like more good guys die in that thing. Yeah. None of the good guys die. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Justin Throw gets shot. He's fine. He's gonna be fine. It's okay. Even though in the beginning shootout, there's like people exploding from the bullets that the Aryan Brotherhood guys are using. Did Jamie Foxx almost get Trudy killed by not getting her out of that safe house? Yeah. I think Trudy breaks up with him after, like a year later, she's thinking about it. She's like, you left me in there and it blew up. (laughs) (laughs) I can never go back. Here's my big one. Get ready. Have a seat, even though you're already sitting. So we had Miami Vice, the TV show in the 80s. Captured the 80s. We had this great movie. Captures the mid-2000s. It really seems like he he want, wanted to find the sweet spot. There's a sweet spot between the movie, which he never had really enough time to do everything he wanted to do, and the TV series, which is they're just grinding out 22 episodes. Is there a better candidate for a 10-episode Oh, this is the Miami Vice theme. This is this is Jan Hammer right here. <laughs> yeah. Is there a better candidate for the 10 episode $200 million Netflix series than Michael Mann bringing back Miami Vice one more time? No, but I will say that in the interim, things like Sicario and Narcos have definitely like moved in on its corner. It's still Miami Vice. I agree with you. I think they are bringing it back, but I think they're bringing it back as a TV, as a more conventional TV series. So as a broadcast show or as a streaming show? It's, a, it's No, not a streaming show. I think it's a ah, network show. $200 million. Michael Mann, paint your canvas. They basically hand him a check for $200 million and a canvas and a paintbrush. And they're like, go to town, man. Yeah. Do your fucking thing. Come back when you're done. And he comes back and says, I was thinking black hat. What about Black Hat for 10 episodes? I had more to say about hacking. hacking. Hacking has never been bigger. There's some good computer scenes that I was really excited to do. Evan, what's the answer? So it's on NBC. Yeah. NBC. That sucks. Yeah, that's not going to work. They should have done Netflix. All right, who won the movie? Colin Farrell. I just think it's like when you go back and you- Because Michael Mann's on the table for this category. I don't think you can give it to Michael Mann because of what he did before it. Right. I think that there's- there's he, a lot he, of stuff here that's the bar was the boundaries, so high, he, but there's nothing in this movie that's on the level of Lowell Bergman standing in the ocean talking on the phone in The Insider yeah. or the bank robbery scene in Heat or any number of scenes in Manhunter. I mean, the, the attack of the, the, the parade in Last of the Mohicans, I can go on and on. There's like really cool shit in Miami Vice, but my, Michael Mann's done other stuff. In a weird way, I just, I've started to associate this movie with Farrell. What about you? Farrell. There you go. You can see in my rundown, usually I have candidates who won the movie. Just I just said Colin Farrell. A list of one. I, I think this was his Apex Mountain. And this, this is great. We're we're starting the Colin Farrell Miami Vice Renaissance. 
<laughs> but it has closed captioning. <laughs> you have to watch it with closed captioning. And mojitos. Let's go have some mojitos. Let's. Thanks to uh, Evan. Thanks to Hotel Tonight. Thanks to BMW. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Thanks to Havana. Thanks to Havana. Thanks to the Mojo Speedboat, which we're going to buy someday. We're going <laughs> to go somewhere 110 miles an hour. Thanks to uh, Seasickness. Thanks to Gong Lee. Thanks to Michael Mann. Thanks to Jan Hammer. I don't know what the next Rewatchables movie is. We, Goodfellas has been streaming on Netflix. and It's in the mix. Come on. We've we got, been, it's time. It's time for Goodfellas. We've been eyeballing Goodfellas. I'll be interested. You can mail us at the mailbag at theringer.com. We have a if couple you, of classics that are sitting on the on-deck circle. Well, I'd be, I'd be interested to know from the audience how far we're allowed to go with Goodfellas, how many hours. Because uh, Goodwill Hunting Will was 103 minutes. longer than the runtime so of good, the movie? Goodfellas was two and a half hours? I can do it's an hour on two. Sorvino. <laughs> it's at least two. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody. 